0: You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe now through your favourite podcast app.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Episode 218 of Inside the Ropes. Rod Murray with you again, filling in for Martin Blake, who is preparing for Week 2 of Olympic competition in Tokyo. We'll hear from Martin shortly as he managed to snare an interview with the player of the moment, Evian Championship winner, Minji Lee, she and Hannah Green on the ground getting ready for the Women's Olympic competition, which gets underway tomorrow. And uh, You'd actually think that both of those players would have a chance at the medals and be among the favourites. That interview coming up in a bit. Before that, though, lots of other golf stuff to talk about. And When you want to talk about golf stuff, what well, better way to do it than with former touring professional turned course architect and commentator Mike Clayton. Clayton, it's good to be chatting again. Thanks for your Thank help last right. week. Yeah, all good. We're going to talk about the Olympics in just a moment because I know that was probably the event most of us watched most of last week. There was some interesting stuff there. But first, I wanted to give a couple of quick shout-outs. One to Kirsten Rudgeley from Western Australia, who won the English Women's Amateur Championship at the weekend. Terrific result for her there. She beat Bell Wardle with a birdie at the first extra hole. She birdied 35 and 36 to take it to extra holes, Clayton. Then birdied the first. That's devastating for that, for Bell Wardle, the player that she beat. Fantastic effort from Kirsten Rudgley. What I wanted to ask you about this was played at Moortown, if I'm not mistaken. Was this one of Mackenzie's first clubs,
2: Alistair McKenzie? It was. He did Moortown and Old Woodley, which is kind of across the street and down the road a bit. Uh, brilliant course. He, the story of Moortown was uh, there wasn't much money. It needed investors. And he built the famous Gibraltar hole, the eighth hole, the par three, which is now the tenth, and told the potential investors that if you give me the money, I can build the whole course as good as this hole. Oh. which they did and which he did. So, a tremendous course. It's backing yourself, isn't
1: it? Sorry? It's <laughs> backing yeah. yourself, isn't it, as
2: well? Yeah. We used to play a tournament called the Car Care Tournament. In It was the week before the British Open. Uh, DJ Russell won one of them. And who was, uh, Mark Mullin? maybe won one, I think. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, tremendous course. So, Mackenzie lived in Yorkshire, in, in Leeds. Even though he was Scottish, he was one of those transplanted Scots who lived in England, like Colin Montgomery and Ken Brown and Billy Longmuir. And Billy, Billy, I always just assumed Billy was English, and because he led the British Open a couple of times, 1979 and 84, and he, um, you know, Scotsman Billy Longmuir, and he said, "It's funny," he said, I, I never lived in Scotland, but my father was Scottish, and I just always thought I was Scottish. I grew up Scottish." I was I was brought up as a Scot, even though I never lived there.
1: It's in the blood, isn't it? Huggy will tell you that. And well, it's, Brown, he's claiming, same. he's claiming Hannah Green, Huggy, because, uh, she's got Huggie. some Scottish roots. Karis Davidson is another one that, uh,
2: Steve Allen, yeah. Michael Sim, yeah. he's claiming them all. Huggie. Yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> Anyone who's done anything is in Huggy's book is Scottish. Tom Addy, another Western Australian kitty, uh, also played in the men's English amateur, also made the final, but he lost one down in a close event, 36 hole final there. So fantastic, Everton. They keep, they keep producing it over in WA, don't they, Clates? They're, uh, yeah, it's amazing
2: it. how, West Australia, Adelaide's, unless you count Adam Scott and Jeff Ogilvie who were born there, Adelaide, if you compare Adelaide to Perth, it's remarkable how one city's produced a stream of good players and the other hasn't had too many at all. Yeah,
1: That's called doing a huggy, if you claim Adam Scott and Jeff Ogilvy. That's doing a huggy. That is, yeah. Any tenuous tie, you grab onto it. Uh Well done there. A couple of other quick results I just wanted to mention before we uh, get to talking about some of the th- happenings around the place. Sue Worcester, we mentioned last week, playing in the US Senior Women's Open. Uh, she made the cut, finished tied 47th. Jan Stevenson, the only other Australian in that field. She missed the cut. Annika by eight shots. I saw somebody suggest on Twitter, Clates, that Annika could come back and play uh, the LPGA Tour and still dominate. What do you reckon? It's a pretty impressive performance at the US Senior Women's Open, but it's not the week-in, week-out LPGA Tour. Is? I saw
2: that, yeah. It's, it's remarkable how much better players play after they're 50. <laughs> no. They, they no. can't make a cut on the, in the men's tour. Uh, they can right. barely make a cut when they're 49. They go on the men's tour and start playing great golf again. I, so, yeah. Sorry, on the senior tour. Yeah, indeed. So, uh, I mean, dominate's a stretch. I think she – look, I haven't seen her play for years, but I assume she could – Compete reasonably well, but dominates a ridiculous stretch. It
1: seem, uh seem unlikely. That is a dominant performance in the US Senior Women's Open, which is really becoming one of my favourite events, Clay. They take it to fantastic courses. The quality of the play is plenty good enough. I, mean, she, I think she was 12 under uh, Annika for the four rounds and finished eight shots in front. Plenty of good golf and enjoyable golf. And as with most of that over-50s golf, the the atmosphere seems right. They don't take the golf too seriously. It's important and it's serious, but it's not – too serious like you get on the main tours. Um, There's a bit of levity and fun around it.
2: And they play – more importantly, they play good courses. They played at Chicago Golf Club a few years ago, which is one of the great courses in America. And unlike the men who need big venues, the women's golf, which primarily the LPGA, don't need big venues. So – Big venues in terms of, not, I'm not talking about the length of the golf course, but just big venues. Infrastructure,
1: so, corporate you, tents and parking and yeah, all that
2: other stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah, Royal Melbourne's a big venue and why it's more suited to the President's Cup than Kingston Heath, which is a small venue. Yeah. But um, the women's LPGA could go to, they could pick their eyes out of the best courses in America yeah. and it would make it much more interesting than the courses they play now yeah. as a general rule. And, and it's why the almost the, the, the premier event in terms of architecture on the LPGA Tour is the Australian Women's Open yeah. at Keonga, Royal Adelaide and the Grange. You know, the, three of the best golf courses they go to all year. Yep.
1: And spectators will tell you, even those without an interest in architecture, for the most part, they tend to be the most interesting tournaments. They throw up the most interesting results and the most interesting golf over the closing holes. The players have more questions asked to them. They have more decisions to make, more options for the way to play. As a spectacle, as a spectator sport, it's, just, it, it's more interesting to watch golf on better-designed golf courses. So uh, certainly it would help the professional game if there was more of that. They're nope. starting to do that more. In fairness, both the Women's British Open and the Women's PGA now do go to extremely good and prestigious golf courses in America and the UK. So yeah. that's been a good move forward. Uh, European Tour. Mixed event this week. We're going to chat about that in a minute, Clayt. First, the results. Daniel Gavins of England won his uh, first European Tour title. Uh, beat New Zealand's Daniel Hillier, shot a 62 in the third round, finished tied third. Blake Windred tied 26, Maverick Antcliffe uh, tied 22, sorry, Maverick Antcliffe, Antcliffe tied 26. The LPGA side of that tournament it was the LPGA and LET and Euro Tour co-sanctioned, like the Vic Open. Padri and Anna Rakan. Uh, beat Emma Italian in a playoff for the title. Sarah Kemp keeps playing well. Tied eighth. Suo, suo tied 11th. A much needed check for her, Clates. We'll discuss that in just a moment. And Steph Kiriakou tied 34th. Whitney Hillier, Sarah Jane Smith missed the cuts. These mixed, event, mixed events, Clates. The Vic Opens really created the template, hasn't it? This was unfortunately up against the Olympics. The scheduling wasn't terrific, but they really do produce interesting golf, I feel like, these tournaments.
2: Well, I think the guy's name is Mark McDonnell, who runs Modest Management, who's company's made famous by Niall Horan being a, a an investor, patron, owner, whatever you want to call him. I'm not quite sure exactly what he is, but with 45 million Twitter followers, mostly young women, he's a great advertisement for golf. Um, Mark was down at Vic Open at 13th Beach a couple of years ago. So my assumption is he took the concept back to Ireland and thought, let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it's a great I mean, you wouldn't say it was the best field ever assembled, but... It's a great concept, and one wonders if it's got a bigger future in golf. More, more mixed golf is, I think, ought or, to or, or be on the table because it's fun to watch and they're fun tournaments to be at.
1: Well, yeah, d- d- does it need to be always the best fields golf? There's other things that appeal about golf. The Vic Open, and you and I have discussed this plenty of times, it's probably not, it's not the most important tournament in Australia, but it certainly as a spectator, it's the best to go to.
2: Yeah, It's by far the best tournament. Well, for a start, you can walk on the fairways, which is – You know, golf got stuck behind spectator ropes in Australia in the mid-70s because Bruce Crampton came and complained about spectators walking on the fairway. So people bowed down and started roping the fairways off. But it's much more fun to watch golf from behind than the side. Mm. Yeah. And the reality is that there are only two or three groups who have got any sort of sizable galleries anyway, and that's always been the case. Yeah. So you could go and watch Billy Duncan, Guy Wollstoneham and Terry Kendall in 1975 and – there would be a hundred and fifty people watching him. Well, they can all be on the fairway.
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed. And you're right. It's by five. If 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 you've never done it, go and watch good players from behind. It is the. You'll never want to watch golf from the side again. <laughs> it's, a, it's a totally different experience, and it's a, it's how it's supposed to be. Sue O'Clates, we've chatted about this off-air because you know Sue really well. I know Sue a little bit. I didn't realise she was uh, hovering dangerously close down the bottom of the LPGA money list there. I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say she's in danger of losing a card, but she can see that position from there. There's an important week for her, finishing tied 11th.
2: Yeah, I think she went from – well, she got to about 75th on the money list, which for her is kind of – uh, underperforming by a bit, but she was yeah. I think the top hundred keep their card on that tour. I think it's the top hundred. Yeah, so she needed to get moving. And if you play that tour, you want to be in the. Uh, there are five or six no cut, limited field events in Asia.
1: Top sixty, I think that's what yeah. You, the, the, the,
2: you, you want to be in those. So they play three of them after the Australian Women's Open in February, and then they play. Two or three at the, end of the year. at the end of the year. So you want to be in those because it's free money and you know they're good tournaments, good fields. And- she should be in those, Clayton. She should yeah. be in those. She's well, good well, at- she, she always has been in those. So she just needs to play some good golf between now and you know, she's got six or eight weeks to play some good golf coming yeah. out. So- we
1: recreational players don't understand that. It is a grind, isn't it, professional golf? Playing golf for a living is not like playing golf recreationally. You play golf recreationally now. and I'm sure you enjoy it a lot more than a lot of the time you spend on the tour.
2: Although I love playing the tour, I really enjoy playing the tour. But yeah, you're right; it can wear you out, and it's lonely. And especially in the kind of COVID environment, where they're traveling alone, and she um, she's off. To, she left uh, Northern Ireland to she's gone to a, a kind of really cool golf resort on the coast that a friend of mine owns for three days in a hotel and two, two days of golf, and then she's off to stay with Huggy for two, for the rest of the week before she. Plays the Scottish Open next week, so, so it's a, you know she's on her own, no friends. Yeah. So staying on a staying on her own in a, in a room on her own with a, in a with a rent a car a on the back of an Ireland, and yeah. Yeah. it sounds like great fun. But when it's week after week after week, it's you know, yeah indeed.
1: Right. And of course, the danger now is close if she starts to play well. Huggy's going to claim her because she spent some time at his house. She'll go on the list of Scottish players as well if we're not careful in that way. All right, let's talk about the event of the week, the Olympics. Lots and lots and lots of chatter about the Olympics, the golf format. Have they got it right? Should it be a mixed team event? There's all sorts of issues around those kinds of things. It is what it is for the moment. 72-hole stroke play for both the men and the women. We saw the men's event unfold on Sunday. I think it was Huggy speaking of who said on Twitter that, Stroke play it's at, is at its most interesting when it turns into match play. I think we saw that, didn't we, with the seven-way playoff for the bronze medal. That was uh, – you know, I know you were glued to it.
2: Well, and the last hole of the tournament where um, Xander Schoffler had to get it up and down from 100 yards to beat the boy from Bratislava, as they call him, <laughs> yeah. Rory Sabatini, who's about as South African as you can get. But anyway, he's playing for Slovakia, which is good luck to him. Um so there was match play on the final hole of the tournament. In fact, there was match play in the last five or six holes of the tournament because Morikawa hit a couple of horrendous drives into the right trees and had to scrape it around. But the, the seven-way playoff for one spot was terrific. I, I love watching that golf. It's great. Hmm. And, and when you consider that you know, three of the biggest names in golf were in there. Yes, that.
1: that's yeah. right.
2: Matsuyama, Makaroi and Morikawa. You know, it's fine if it's a playoff for the British Open or something, but when you've got three of the biggest names in golf in a seven way playoff for a bronze medal, and you know it was burning them not to win it. I mean, they're all trying as hard as they could.
1: McElroy's the interesting one, isn't he? He's been indifferent towards the Olympics. He skipped 2016. He said in the wake of it that he wished he hadn't. There's political issues about being from Northern Ireland as well and the way the teams are set up and Ireland play under a, their own flag, et cetera, et cetera. But all that aside, he always seemed somewhat indifferent to the Olympics. But by Sunday and certainly by the playoff, by the time the playoff came he was he was all in, wasn't he? He'd seen the light.
2: Well, I was, you know, I went to the last Olympics and it's hard when when you're there, it's hard not to buy into the the spirit of it, and not that the spirit of it's always great. but
1: It's a big um, event, though, isn't it? It's a big yeah,
2: event. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big event. I, watching, as we said, Rose and Stenson fight at that gold medal in Rio, was it was really fun to watch. And, uh, and the women's event was great. And you can argue whether or not golf's got a place in there, but given all the other sports that are in there, you might as well be there. And I think in time it will come to be seen as a big deal. Because as someone pointed out, I mean, everyone knows who won the gold medal in Rio, But who knows who won the WGC at Memphis in 2016? You wouldn't have a clue. That's very true. That's very true. So so I think in time it's going to come to be seen as uh, maybe not the fifth major, but it's it's going to be a significant event. Yeah, Yeah,
1: exactly. I I tend to agree. Whilst I don't think I'm ever going to be that invested in it, I can certainly see that generationally in the future there's no doubt that people will – will get invested in, it, assuming it stays in the Olympics. And I think it's probably going to. It's It's been exciting enough at this stage. Mark Leishman never really got going for the week, Clates, but for the Australians, and if you were cheering for the Australians, Cam Smith, he was just always just one shot back of where he needed to be, wasn't he? He'd make two birdies and then he'd stumble. And he just – he's very close to playing some amazingly good golf and just one shot too many.
2: Well, yeah, and he only bogeyed the last to miss the bronze medal playoff by a shot, which was – so he played a good tournament. I mean, he played a really good tournament. And he's a – yeah, you know, he's an incredibly underrated player. Agreed.
1: Smith. I think he's one that – it feels to me that he's one who would be particularly invested in the Olympics. The notion of representing your country for him would be very much at the top of the list. And whilst it's not – the majors are something else, but I, just, I think to him the Olympics is that significant event that you're talking about.
2: Well, and he proves that every year by coming back to play for the Absolutely, yeah. When it's all too hard for a lot of those guys and they, they want too much money to play in it and yep. – you know, we've, there's been a conspicuous absence from the Open of Badly and Leishman and Day for, I would argue, too long. But anyway, that's their choice. But Cameron always comes back to play and it's great and and, and it's important, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that that tells you an awful lot. There's a real down-to-earthness about Cameron Smith, I think, that really appeals to a lot of people, isn't there? He's, you don't see him getting caught up or swept up in that whole multimillionaire's lifestyle and, you know, doing other things. And,
2: back to you know, he'll be, when's Royal Queensland at 2000. 32. So, yes, he's um, he'll still be of a, an age where he could probably play in that. Yeah, he's sort of got he'll lift every four years
1: when the Olympic selection's up,
2: it's, Well, he's uh, a member, obviously. So, he would he would have a yeah. might think it. I mean, it's hard to say someone's got a good shot at winning a gold medal. I mean, you know, in 15 years time, it's a long yeah. way out to make a call. Un- unbelievably hard things yeah. to win,
1: yeah, of course. When well, there's one every four years, harder than the majors, more significant winnings. Well, winning. and they're
2: just. Because there's no dominant player, unlike tennis, even though Djokovic didn't win, uh, you know, it's not like tennis. It's, you know, there was no guarantee that Tiger Woods would win the gold medal. In- well, golf's a different sort of competition, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's,
1: tricky, you know, very it, tricky. That's exactly right. What do we have here? The world number three or four, I think, Shoffley has been in gold. And I think they were both ranked outside the hundred top 100, the two guys who finished um, bronze and, and silver. So yeah. that's unlikely to happen in tennis where it's a head-to-head competition.
2: In fact, I think I saw the average world ranking of the three medalists was something like 140.
1: 138 or 40 or something like yeah, that. So,
2: 139, whatever it was, it was. Yeah, you would never see that in tennis yeah, or in running or in any other sport in the Olympics probably.
1: Which brings us to this week, Clay. So I think both Cam Smith and Mark Leishman had a claim to be in the discussion about potential medals, and Cam Smith proved that obviously with the way he played. I feel that like even more so with the Australians this week, Hannah Green and Minji Lee. Minji, of course, just winning the Evian champ- Championship last week, her first major title. She's in a very elite sort of company, it feels. Her game is very special. She's in that top five or ten players in the world week in and week out. Uh, she's got that sort of game. Does winning the Evian a week or two ago have any impact on what might unfold here? She's a two-time Olympian now. This is her second trip to the Olympics. She represented Australia in 2016 as well. You would have seen her up close and personal playing back in 2016. Probably a different player now, but uh, she feels to me like one who will be genuinely in the discussion about gold medal contention.
2: Yeah, she's obviously got a... You have to play well, obviously. So she was seventh, I think, in Rio. She played well there, a couple of, a couple of shots out of getting a bronze medal. Sue was thirteenth, so she was probably four shots back. So, yeah, you've um, I mean, we're all guessing it. You just have to go and play well, yeah. obviously. So if she plays well, she's a good enough player to have a shot at winning something out there. Yeah, indeed. And the course, you know, she's always been a very I don't want to say unimaginative player, but she's just, she's very good at hitting the same shot all the time. Mm-hmm. Great swing, great technique, very solid. Yeah. Hits it down the foul, hits the ball on the green. If she puts well, she's going to finish well. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So, yep. and it's the sort of golf course that suits that game, it looks yes. like to me.
1: Hannah Green is a different type of player, but an extraordinary competitor, I feel like, Hannah. I wonder the value of that in a competition like this with no crowds and those sorts of things. Does that impact that sort of player more? She's incredibly determined and a great grinder.
2: She is, and she's she's improved more than Minji. I mean, I remember cadding in the Interstate Series for Julian Sue, who played Hannah twice in that series and beat her twice, and she was a good player, but nothing more than a good player. But she's improved a lot in the last four years. I mean, she wasn't... When we were in Rio four years ago, there was no, you know, it was it was an automatic that Sue and Minji would be playing in Tokyo. And Hannah jumped right in there ahead of Sue and winning that major and winning again in Portland last year. And she's improved a lot in the last three years.
1: Yeah, really got.
2: And and it wouldn't surprise anyone if she won. No, that's exactly right. She's got a tremendous technique again, long hitter, gutsy player. Both those times she won, she made tricky eight footers across the hill to win. So, again, if she has a good week and she plays well, she's got a shot.
1: She's a want-the-ball type, isn't she? She's that Michael Joy, give me the ball, give me the chance to fail. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want to be right there. I want to feel the head. I want to be a part of it. And uh, she stood up to that, as we've seen, at just about every level along the way through her career. Well, Clayton, so we're going to take a quick break here. And on the other side, Martin Blake had a chance to catch up with Minji. He had an interesting chat with her, and we'll have that on the other side of this break. Stay with us here on Inside
3: the Ropes.
0: With Australian Golf Media, you're back Inside the Ropes.
3: Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. It's Martin Blake reporting live from Tokyo, the Olympic Games. It's always a pleasure to have Minji Lee with me, uh, who's just about to become a dual Olympian and also has been Australia's latest major winner. Welcome, Minji.
0: Hello. Thanks for having
3: me. You're a pretty regular on Inside the Ropes. Um, Minji, uh, how excited are you to be in Tokyo for your second Olympic Games to start with?
0: Um, actually, it's kind of, um, weird to say that I'm going to be a dual, um, Olympian because, you know, if you think about it, Rio was what, four or five years ago and now I'm in Tokyo and it actually feels really good. And I've been, you know, really looking forward to this for the past year and, um, now I'm really happy to be here.
3: You had a look at the course today. What did you think of it?
0: Um, yeah, I saw the front nine and the course is in really amazing shape, um, the greens are rolling really good. Um, I think it's going to be a good test. Um, just a, a mix of short and long holes, so I think it will just be a really good, um, good competition course.
3: Well, I think everyone, including myself, is wondering what your win at the Evian Championship in France is going to actually do for you. Do you. Is it a kind of a relief factor for you? Is it is it a kind of a weight off your mind situation that you might be able to? actually surge forward now
0: um yeah a little bit I mean there was a lot of people talking about it for a long time and um you know I heard that I was one of the better players to not win a major and um you know it was it's always been a motivation to you know win a major and it's kind of now the like it's just a monkey off the back and I just feel like um I just feel like I can just play freely um even more so after winning a major championship. So, um, yeah, no, I do feel like I'm in a good place.
3: Was it wasn't bothering you? Did it actually bother you with hindsight? Are you able to uh, say that?
0: I mean, not, it wasn't bothering me, but, you know, over, over the years and over how many times that people have, like, told me that or, you know, um, your major championships come in or, you know, things like that, I I think it is kind of on the back of your mind but it, it didn't bother me, but it was just, I guess, extra motivation to actually get that first major off my back.
3: You hit some unbelievable golf shots uh, coming into the finish of that event, especially in the playoff, the second shot into the par five. Amazing. Uh, did, did you take anything away from the way that you played that tournament uh, that you can kind of bottle and, and move forward with? Is there anything that you did different or uh, was your mentality any different at all that you, that you did get over the line?
0: Um, you know, I really didn't come into the tournament with like any expectations. Um, I knew from the week before when I played Dow, um, I was striking it really well and putting it um, really good. So, I just came in with pretty good, like nice momentum and Um, I I feel like I played really well all week, Um, just on the second day I started with like four bogeys in the first five holes, but then I clawed my way back to two under that day, so I think um, just from that it was just like momentum carried on, so I just had a really great weekend and was able to get myself in a great position um, in the playoff, so yeah, that's pretty much when the tournament started for me (laughs) on the playoff (laughs)
3: And prior to that, you were relatively quiet this year. What what was happening there?
0: Um, you know, I was like struggling, struggling a little bit with my putting, um, and I, I switched putters in um, Vegas, so it was. So I went back to my Scotty, um, just a blade style kind of putter, and that has been really good for me. Um, and you know, I just. I guess I just haven't not, everything hasn't really come together the um you know before the past like three weeks so um I knew like my game was going in the right direction but just to have everything kind of click sometimes is hard so um yeah no I just you know just you just keep grinding until you play well I think so um for me I was just kind of in that grind mode so um, it's nice to have won Evian and kind of trending in the,
3: a positive direction. Uh, you mentioned in your speeches and your media conference afterwards um, how grateful you are to your, your family. Um, mm-hmm. Suvin and, and Clara were at home. I think they're running a cafe in Perth <laughs> yeah. nowadays. But um, you, you won't have been able to catch up with him as far as I know because you went straight back to Dallas. But I, I presume you've had some contact and they're pretty, pretty excited.
0: Yeah, I mean, even... Um, just with Minwoo winning, they were probably on a real big high still, um, and then me winning Evian, um, it was just like two cherries on top, you know, so, um, no, they are, they were really, really excited and, um, you know, I called them straight after I, I won and then just before the trophy presentation, so, um, it was just really nice, they stayed up, um, I know it was really early in the morning, so, um, yeah, as you do, there are whenever we're both playing. So um, I know they're um, supporting us from back home and um, just really excited for both of us.
3: And you had some time with were back in Dallas last week after the Evian. How's he doing? And I think he's coming to America to play uh, this week as well.
0: Um, yeah, no. So he was in Dallas um, the week of Evian and then I, I went back to Dallas. So he was with me for a week and he's in Memphis now. But yeah, no, he had a couple of weeks after Scottish, after the British, he came um, to Dallas and, you know, he was practicing there. So um, I got to catch up with him and it was his birthday and um, we kind of had like a joint celebration. So that was nice. And it was just good to catch up with him. I haven't really seen him in like 10 months or something. Yeah. 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 (laughs) The life of a
3: traveling pro. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I know. We're both on like really hectic schedules. So I think it's... You know, whenever our paths cross, it's it's just really nice to you know get together and you know catch up.
3: Um, Where does the Olympics rate for you? I mean, how do you think of the Olympics? You're unlike Hannah Green, mm-hmm. who's here with you. you. You've experienced the Olympics before. Where mm-hmm. does it kind of rate for you? Because it seems to me like, on the women's side of the competition, the women are putting it right at almost at the very top.
0: Um, you know, yeah, definitely for me as well. Um, I just think it's the highest honor that you can have representing your country and. Um, you know, it's just really humbling to be able to do that and to have the opportunity to do that as well. So it's just it's very high on my list. It's very important to me. And um, getting to Tokyo was one of my big goals. So um, after the last Olympics, I really wanted to make this one. So yeah, no, I um, I just I for me, it's really important.
3: And what do you need to do this week if you're going to grab a medal?
0: Um, I think definitely a fast start. Um, you've got to start well. I know you can't win it on the first day, but you can definitely get a head start. So um, I just think just keep putting the pressure on. Um, just, you know, obviously do your best and have fun out there. But it is very hot, so just try to stay hydrated and um, keep my energy up.
3: Well, you've got all the best of Australia behind you this week, Minji. Good luck.
0: Thank you so much.
3: After this break, Rod and Clates will be back with more Inside the Ropes.
0: With Australian Golf Media, you're back Inside the Ropes.
3: Yeah, welcome back to
1: Inside the Ropes, where we do subscribe to the HG and Roy theory that too much golf is barely enough. Well, we've just heard how good a job the teams are doing representing Australia at the Tokyo Games, but they're not the only ones flying the flag on the world stage. Sydney's Grace Kim is the reigning Australian amateur champion, and she's been on a lengthy journey in the US this year, which steps up a gear this week when the US women's amateur gets underway. That event will be played at the historic Westchester Country Club in New York, where Grace is one of five Australians in the field, alongside Emily Ma, Madison Hinson-Tolcher, Darcy Habgood and Mackenzie Toole. Grace joins us on the line now for a chat about what has been a remarkable couple of months uh, Grace, thanks for taking some time. We really do appreciate it in what is a pretty hectic schedule for you there.
4: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Um, yeah. It's been quite busy, so I'm glad we can get it through.
1: Yeah, look, uh, let's start at this end of what's been a pretty amazing couple of months for you down the States, and then we'll work our way backwards. This week's the US Women's Amateur, as I just said. Now, that's a big deal. You got your way you in there through a qualifier. What's, what was that experience like? I can't. I don't know how big the field was. There was only four spots. You won the event. Uh, how was the pressure for that?
4: It was, it was all right. Like, I mean, I think because I've played in the U S open qualifier, I sort of had the gist of what it was going to be like, but obviously it wasn't as big of a deal. Um, Obviously I wasn't up against professionals. I was up against amateurs and I tried to work around my schedule and the, like I had a bit of a falafel, but I ended up in Detroit, up in St. Clair, which is about an hour and a half up north of um, Detroit. No. Yes, Detroit. Right. So um, it was fine. The weather was super nice. Uh, course was wasn't too bad. Like all I did was make two birdies, and that the rest were all pars. So I just tried to keep it in play. I didn't. I wasn't greedy at all. So I just tried to make it easy on myself. Really, that day.
2: Did you see what she? Did you see what she did there, Rod? What's that, Clates? All I did. All I, I did, yes. Two birdies and 16 pars. That's all I did. That's
1: right. How hard could it
2: be? Yeah. two
1: markers all over the world saying, so, yeah, it's not that hard at
2: all. It's not that hard. Uh, indeed. I didn't well,
4: mean that at all. Don't <laughs> so hard.
2: No, we kidding. It was good. We like that.
1: It is true, though, isn't it, Clates? And Grace will probably go on to a professional career. And if she can maintain that attitude, that will take her a very long way, won't it?
2: Yeah, don't three-putt. Don't double-chip. Don't take penalty shots. Hank Haney. Yeah. And then you finish up with 16 pars and two birdies. That's all you need to do.
1: Qualify for the US Women's Am. The USGA events are a pretty big deal, aren't they, Grace? I know you played in the US Girls Junior. I think this is your first US Women's Am. Uh, It's a pretty slick operation, isn't it? You must be pretty excited, and particularly at Westchester, which used to host the PGA Tour some years ago as well.
4: Yeah, so I've heard. And I got in today, which is a couple days later than the original – schedule but I got in today got into registration and there was about seven stations I had to go through (laughs) and I was like oh my goodness like this is the real deal like USGA is really on top of everything especially their paces play Uh they were literally quizzing every player if they knew certain checkpoints what holes they were going to be on how many seconds you're supposed to take like over your ball and it was just it was just full-on but I mean I guess that's why they're so good
1: now, the great thing about that, Clates, is they're breeding the next generation of professionals, aren't they? It's a slow process, but in 10, 15 years' time, everybody of Grace's age will be used to this at the USGA tournaments well, and the pace of play should pick up.
2: be fair to say the pace of play is almost a bigger problem on the LPGA Tour than it is on the PGA yeah. Tour, in my experience, which is limited, but I've catered a few times. They're, they're pretty slow. Yeah, indeed.
1: Although they, aren't, they do actually penalise the players on the LPGA, which we never see on the PGA Tour. Oh, you can't
2: be penalising the boys, Rod. No,
1: that's exactly right. They can't afford it, (laughs) Clates. There's not enough money. Yeah,
2: they can't afford it. Not enough money
1: in the game. Uh, Talk quickly about what you're expecting from the week, perhaps, then, Grace. It's a pretty gruelling week, the US amateur, isn't it? It's, uh, what, uh, 36 holes a stroke play, and then if you go all the way to the end, it's six or seven matches, I think?
4: Yeah, I believe so. I mean, yes, like you said, it is my first USM and like any other amateur, state amateur, it's it's going to be a grind. Um, there's a lot of holes involved if you go all the way to the finals and – you just want to make sure you get in like the right section of the stroke play because you don't want to be matched up against a really good player the first round. But I guess at the same time, you're trying to um, win the actual medal first and then um, just work, work your way through. Um, it's just two different games. You're not going to really ex- – you can't really sort of expect much, especially in match play because you don't know what's going to happen. Whereas stroke play, you sort of get, sort of have a gist of where you're standing, I guess.
2: Now, there's another mistake, Rod, for rookie players. You don't want to win the medal. The, the person who wins the medal always loses in the first round. So if you've got a chance to win the medal, three-putt the last. Like like Peter Thompson used to do in the Singapore Open, if you ever had a chance to win. So do, do not win the medal. Fabulous. Okay,
4: I got it. I'll note that. So who,
1: because one, one plays 64, don't they? So they, it comes with a whole bunch of expectation if you win the medal. You play the 64th ranked player and everyone just assumes that's going to be a walkover. At this level, that doesn't happen. Clay,
2: so you were about to say something. Sorry, mate. Is, is it Rose, Rose Zhang? Is Rose she the Zhang. best player? Yes. The so she,
4: yes, yes, 100%. She rocked, she, they actually gave her a courtesy car. A courtesy car, sorry. Um, uh, yeah, I guess she her and another player who's a, a past mid-am champ And then literally the rest are all um, rules (laughs) officials or members of USGA. They all just got, you know, Lexus um, cars, and she's got her own parking spot. So
1: you're on the bus. Have you played with Rose? Have you come across Rose? She really does seem to be quite a phenomenon.
4: Yeah, no, she's super nice. I met her at Augusta this year, and Uh she's just. She's not, like, arrogant in any way. She's, like, the most kindest human. I really just didn't expect her to be so sweet. She's really nice.
1: She can play. She was very impressive at the US Women's Open too, wasn't she? plays amazing at the uh...
2: – So she she's defending champion, right? Did she beat – Correct. She, Gabby. She beat Gabby last year? Mm-hmm.
4: Correct, yes.
2: And that was how it worked? Okay,
1: fine. Good. In a fantastic match as well, just uh, – just yeah, quietly, Indeed. Well, of course, that's what's coming up this week, Grace. But to prepare, you've been doing all sorts of crazy stuff. You mentioned the Augusta National Women's Amateur. I want, you, want to take you back to that shortly. But before that, you've been playing on a mini tour over there, which I, from what I can gather is around the sort of southern states of the US. You've been playing as an amateur, the Women's All Pro Tour, I think it's called. You've won twice. What would you have spent the money on if you'd been smart enough to turn pro before you won twice? And what's that experience has been like? How did you come to play on the Women's All Pro Tour?
4: Well, I guess I would have just spent more money on either shopping, making my luggage extra, extra heavy. Like I've just got so much stuff. But um, I actually came across this tour through um, just the Golf Australia stuff, like Emily McLennan, um, Stacey Peters before, obviously she had a baby um, and like Khan Paul and Mackie, Luke Mackie's just been helping me out, trying to see some schedules because I had a bit of a blank gap in my schedule and I just wanted obviously some competitive golf in here and there turns out there was another like a mini tour like you said um and yes it's around the texas region mm-hmm. um and i just wanted to get some competitive golf in i saw a couple of the aussie Symmetra girls and they said that this tour was really nice they really look after you they get your host housing if they can um, the only thing that put me back was how expensive it was going to cost me to play in it it was about for a non-member, it was about six ninety-five US, um, and obviously as an amateur as well, it's a bit daunting. So I was only planning on playing the one as a non-member, and I guess I can say I accidentally won the event the first time. <laughs> so um, big mistake there. I should have really... <laughs> three but at the
1: last. So there's quite sick. No,
4: yeah, that too. But I should have actually become a member of the tour prior to the event, where it could have got me the extra 500 points for me to skip stage one to finish in the top uh-huh. five of their race to stage two. Um, so I had three in a row um, and the last one actually ended yesterday. And my final placing was 11th and that was about 400 or 300 points behind um, the fifth player who qualified through to stage two. Wow. Um, so, but then again, like overall experience, I loved it. Mm. Um, just, I, I just happened to, play well amongst these pros and knowing that they're going through Q school as well. It was just a good confidence booster.
2: So that's stage two of the qualifying school. So what are the three stages?
4: There's three stages. So the first one's um, about a couple of days after the final round of this week okay. in Palm Springs.
1: Okay. And are you, are you planning to go to that?
4: Yes. Yeah, so okay,
1: right. Could have saved yourself a it's lot. It's going to be
4: hot and I oh, guess yeah. – My best finish was to um, skip that stage because it's going to be like forty five degrees. (laughs) Oh, bugger um, that! It's all right. I'll have to go through it.
1: Yeah. Hey, everyone else is playing the same course. Six ninety five per event. Is that what you're saying? Six hundred ninety five dollar entry fee per. Yeah.
4: So as a Uh, non member, it's 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 six hundred six ninety
2: five US. Wow, that's uh, which is even even for for an amateur. So what what did they give you when you won? Nothing. Like Lexus. Uh, Trophy. Trophies are not very useful.
4: Well, yeah. I got a start in a Symmetra event. Yes.
2: Um, okay, good. Okay, Finished top
4: 10,
1: I think, that, didn't you? So. Did you finish top 10 in that Symmetra Tour event?
4: Yeah, I finished yeah. tied 10th. And a lot of people messaged me saying if I got a start into the week after. Yeah. But I think that's just a men's tour thing because that's not a really big thing in the no, ladies' I think you're right.
1: tour. Yeah, I think you're right. You have I to
4: win it to get a start
1: yeah that's it well, I wouldn't even let Sophie pop off playing the a and a inspiration Clates is this the way of the future amateurs playing with professionals on these mini tours. It would be a misnomer to call Grace an amateur in all fairness. she's an yeah. elite amateur well she's an amateur probably and I'm a recreational player. that would be the difference, wouldn't it? They're amateurs in name only aren't they
2: yeah at some point they should if you're paying six hundred and ninety five dollars to enter at yeah. some point you should be probably at least get your entry fee back. yeah yeah if you, if you win or you know or you should, i mean. Yeah, in fifty years' time, the the distinction will be different. um, I mean, it's it's been long gone in reality, and it'll be uh, uh, it'll have disappeared within twenty years. Was my guess. You would
1: think it makes some sense because obviously the girls that you were playing against on that project were there, Grace. You certainly held your own quite comfortably, didn't you? And they're all professionals, or for the most part. So the distinction between talent levels isn't there, is it, (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination?
4: Yeah. I mean, some of the girls had some conditional status on Symmetra, some girls, um, yeah, just on the mini tour. And I guess we're all just trying to, you know, make some money prior to Q School, get through Q School. So, yeah, I guess we're on similar levels.
1: And all All of this, sorry, all of this stuff, Grace, has got really nothing to do with holing putts and hitting good six irons, has it? This is all the stuff about professional golf that we don't think about as fans. I mean, once we see the golfers on the course, it's about the golf, but all of this stuff about how you find a a tour to play on, the costs involved in that, what you've got to do to get there. As you said, that mistake you made by not becoming a member, and now you've got to go to the first stage of Q School, which is, you know, not what you wanted to do. That's all a great learning experience, I would think, all that stuff away from the golf course and yet still be able to concentrate. To trade on your golf
4: absolutely like this whole process of having to organize by myself you know um, work around not being able to get a rental car because I'm underage and you know getting you have to know people uh, I found networking um, uh-huh. was a big thing here in America like I, I guess it's just everywhere but I just never took into account how a lot of people are there to help you um, and then obviously you can help them back later in the future but I yeah, this whole experience of what four months since I've been here. I, I'm excited for the whatever's ahead of me. Really,
1: fast way to grow up, isn't it, Clates?
2: Well, Not and if you've got any spare time, I can get you a job raking sand with Gil Hans or Tom Docket with Lucas Michelle at <laughs> one of the design jobs they're doing in America.
1: Good for upper body I
2: think strength, I'll pass. isn't it? You passed on that. Good for, yeah.
1: good, for upper body strength. Keep you out of the gym for a week or two. You could do that. Uh, do that instead. It is a. This is all um, priceless experience for Grace, I would think. Clayton, you've been done the professional tour, But this is priceless stuff. Well,
2: right? learning how to travel is yeah. the most important thing. I went to Europe as an amateur with. Well, I think I had maybe a thousand dollars in my pocket for four months or something, and. Mm. You know, le- learning how to travel and get around is the mo- one of the most important parts of learning to be a pro, really. Because yeah. once you make you don't have to worry about that
1: anymore, do you? You get your own plane and everybody yeah. organises. you just turn up at the <laughs> appointed time, but it takes a while to get there. Grace, of course, the first thing you went over for this year was the Augusta National Women's Amateur. That was a year after you were supposed to go for the Augusta National Women's Amateur. They, of course, cancelled it because of COVID. I think it was only a few days before you were going to leave. So that must have been one of life's biggest disappointments last year it was you had the rug pulled from under you, and it must have been extremely exciting to go this year. I know you didn't qualify for the final round that was played at Augusta National. You would have played a practice round there, but tell us about that whole experience and finally getting to experience it after a year of missing out.
4: I mean... I actually questioned, like, it's just Augusta. Like, what's so cool about Augusta? You know, like, I, to be honest, I didn't really grow up watching golf. I didn't know much of I didn't have much background knowledge about Augusta at all. Like, I obviously just saw highlight videos and, you know, like, say, Tiger Woods chip. It's just, like, things like that. And I got there and I've never questioned it again. Like, it was just magical. Like, people were just, I mean, I was one of those people who, like, just jaw just dropped like it was so cool how they're so like confidential on the like no phones allowed like yeah. not, no photos nothing unless it's professionally taken golf course was pure it was mint it was so good um obviously it was a week before the actual masters mm-hmm. for the men's um it was definitely a lot hillier than expected like as you see on TV and Around the greens was super hard. Like the greens were just slick. So um, you just tap it and it goes a long way. So it was – it was the day we the day we had the practice round was really cold. But despite that, I just wanted to soak it all in.
1: Uh-huh. A little learning experience there, clothes to uh, go to Augusta National, not really know much about it. Uh, interesting to hear Grace's take. As a good player, most good players, you know, would give their left leg for a round at Augusta National. That's a fantastic take and I'm interested to hear it. And came away impressed.
2: Yeah, it's a cool place. If you were, if you had time, the one place you, that I would send you to see is the National Golf Links. It's up next to Shinnecock Hills, which is, it might be the best course in America. Augusta's the most famous, but the National Golf Links is an amazing golf course. If you ever get a chance to play there, <clears throat> or if there's anyone around this week who can get you on there, don't miss it. Do it okay, no all advice. right.
4: I'll try to remember that, but I've got really bad memories, so you've got to tell me again.
2: <laughs> Just remember the national, you can yeah, remember that. National. Yeah, 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 yeah. National. Do you remember that
1: the one with the windmill, you will the one with that. the <laughs> the one with the windmill. <laughs> okay, so pretty, pretty sort of special place. Well, Grace, you sound like you're in a good place, you sound happy. Uh, expectations for this week, they're a stupid thing to get involved in making predictions or whatever. But how are you feeling about things heading into the week? Your confidence must be up having played some really good golf in the last five or six weeks.
4: Yeah, I mean, um, it's just it's just been quite consistent with my scoring and my golf as well. Um, it is a little tough, obviously, because my coach is back in Australia, and just having the whole time difference, it is sort of hard to contact him at times. I want him, I guess, but um, it, it, like I'm just working around what I've got. I just can't really say if I do have a bad swing that I think is bad, which is isn't too bad. I can work around; it. it's manageable, but. Um, yeah, I can't really force anything obviously during a tournament week and I think that's what I've gotten better at because you're not always going to have your body's not always going to be 100% every day so especially with travel um yeah just trying to work around that I think backing myself is huge this week so yeah I'll be doing a lot of that
2: Can't play
1: your best golf every day, can
2: you, Clones? Uh No, you can in fact no, you can't. You've got to make your average golf better. but decent, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the Now, when are you coming home, Grace, just to finish up? You've been away a long time.
4: <laughs> yeah, about that. I um, Just because of the whole situation in Sydney, it's not looking too good. No. So I'm actually planning on staying as long as I could to stay away from all that. I have a bit of a trouble with uh, my flight as well because obviously through Augusta they've booked my flight. But um, I'm going to try – Use my B one B two visa to extend for another six months. So okay. I actually don't exactly know when I'm going right. home. Well, so 100,
2: 100. sorry. 100. So when's the tour school? Like the th- the the final of the tour school.
4: October. Final stages in December. December.
2: Yeah. So most likely you'll stay for that, right?
4: Hopefully, fingers are okay. crossed.
2: Yeah. But okay.
1: yes, yeah. get yourself an LPGA card and then come home. Hopefully, to a COVID-free
2: Sydney and an
1: Australia that might have opened up a bit by then, which would be nice, wouldn't it? Do you
2: have a dec- yes? Do you have a decent caddy for the tour school?
4: Um, I do have a couple of names, but stage one because it is so hot, um, they are letting us on carts. I think I'll be fine on my own for now. But I guess if I do potentially go through, then i
1: definitely use a caddy. Get Clate's email before you go because he's no doubt got a list of names you can call on. Yeah, just,
2: yeah if you need a good caddy. Well, Sue, Sue O can find you a good caddy. She's – yeah, but having a good caddy at the last stage of the tour school is really important. Absolutely. Yeah, you're,
1: now that's pressure, isn't it, tour school? <laughs> that's that's some serious golf uh, high stakes. Where are you playing next week that's going to be so hot? Next week? Oh, for the,
4: the Q School. Yeah, for Q School. Um, Palm Springs. Wow. In the desert. Yeah, so – Wow.
1: That'll be an experience. <laughs> it will be. It will be an experience. No question about that. Best of luck this week, Grace, and best of luck for the qualifying school coming up. Uh, it's been true of you to take some time to chat to us today. No more media for you until you win. Remember what Clayton said if you've got a chance for the medal on the 18th hole, Day two, make sure you three-putt.
2: Three-putt. Make yeah. sure you three-putt.
4: Yeah, that's right. Okay, I will. I'll and maybe mate, even four-putt. Who knows? That's no,
2: right. Th- three's fine.
4: Three's three enough. <laughs> and, and make
1: sure you tell everybody when you go on to win the whole thing that it was Clayton's advice to three-putt the, <laughs> three the last hole not to win the medal that got you through. Critical.
4: Okay, too easy. Thank you Good so much Grace. for having me. Thanks,
1: Gracie. Yeah, big thanks to Grace Kim. She's a terrific young lady, Grace. I know that you know her a little bit, Clates, but uh, she's really playing quite nicely, flying under the radar with all this other big news going on around the place, but that US Women's Amateur is a big deal, and she's got a chance this year.
2: Yep. Yeah, she's a great kid. I see her a lot around the – just she comes and plays the Amateur Tournament. She's great fun. from Sydney, so it's time Sydney had a great woman player, so it it would be – Yeah, certainly is, and uh, –
1: Best of luck to Grace as things unfold. Now, a couple of things, a bit of homework that I need to uh, to do here, Clay. my golf. I think we t- touched on this last week, how you got started in the game. Getting people started in the game is probably one of the most important things that all of us as golfers can contribute to. Every golfer knows a non-golfer or more than one non-golfer. Do yourself a favour. Do the game a favour. See if you can get them interested in the game. Now, if they're a young person, MyGolf is the place to do it. It's Australia's national junior program to get kids into golf. Perfect beginner's pathway to learning the basics in a fun and safe environment. Term three programs are running now. Head to golf.org.au forward slash MyGolf to find a program near you. There are some rolling COVID restrictions in certain states. Now, if it's not a kid... Lots of adults out there. In fact, I reckon, Clayton, people who take up the game later in life might be more passionate about it quite often. How many times do I I can't remember who the teaching pro was who said to me, if I had 50 cents for every person who told me I wish I'd taken this game up when I was younger, I wouldn't need to work for a living. It's true, isn't it? People get bitten by the bug late. They really get into their golf, I reckon.
2: They do. The problem with golf is when you're a kid, kids are great at imitating. Yeah. They're great imitators. In fact, Well, we learn to speak by imitating, I guess, but um, it's much more difficult to do when you're forty or yeah. thirty or so it's a, it's a schools do it. I mean I went to a public a private school, and golf was not encouraged because it wasn't a team game, and there was no glory in it for the school. but you look back, most of the kids I went to school with, the one game they play is golf
1: yeah, yeah still play
2: and it's a game that ought to be taught to kids when they're young because it's, the, it's, the, it's almost – it's not the one game you can play your whole life, but it's the best of them. There's no doubt about
1: that. And, of course, the thing is you can be introduced to it young and you can go away for the game for a very long time. But those things you learn as a youngster stay with you. So if yeah, you've yeah. gotten any sort of ability with golf as a youngster, and, you, you, and a lot of people do in their early 20s, they get married, they have kids, they've got work, they leave golf for 10 or 15 years, but you're much better off when you come back to it if you've been exposed to it at a young age.
2: Yeah, if you're taught to grip – Yeah and swing half decently. There's no reason why anyone can't be a single handicap player. It's not that hard to shoot 80. If you can grip the club and and you know how to stand to the ball and you've got a modicum of sporting ability, if, if you learn that when you're 12, 13, 14, you're always going to be able to shoot 80 or better.
1: And that's, you know, you can do that for your whole life. You'd be a very happy uh, happy golfer. So if there's somebody you'd like to give the gift of golf to, get into golf. This is the perfect way to fast track an adult beginner on course. Most programs are five weeks long. They teach the basics of golf in a fun and social environment. Four streams to get into golf, including specific programs for women, seniors, and all abilities. As always, head to the internet, golf.org.au forward slash get into golf for more information and to find a program near you, like with the junior program. There are some rolling COVID restrictions, and I fear that we might be saying that line for just about everything for quite a while yet, which is unfortunate, Clates. So what we won't say that about is the Outback Queensland Masters. We spoke to David, whose surname escapes me, and had a hole in one uh, up there a couple of weeks ago, and he was having a terrific time. Him and some friends went up there for the Outback Queensland Masters. It's a really interesting idea for an event. Go and play some courses that wouldn't be on anybody's necessarily golf tourist schedule, and they were having a hoot. That will be on again next year. Tickets are on sale now. Visit the website at Outback qldmasters.com That's outbackqldmasters.com. Links to all of that, of course, in the show notes uh, at a, uh, an event with a difference. No question about that. It's been fabulous to have a chat to you these last two weeks, mates. So I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for bringing your insight. And, but it's been fantastic these last two weeks, so thank you.
2: Yeah, that. That's right. Thank you.
1: Well, there you have it. Episode 218 done and dusted. Martin Blake will be back next week for Episode 219 here on Inside the Ropes.